tower. Ooh. The tower you'd love to break, but you mustn't break. Jake Chambers has the shine. Walter <laughs> says, I'm going to make it mine. But his name can be said by anyone. Ah, Dark Tower. Just the man I was looking for. That was a mashup of mm. Goldfinger and a Simpsons reference. Yeah, <laughs> you drifted there for a bit, but now I'm all on board. I'm on board with all of it, always. Whenever you're singing, I'm toe-tapping, you know what I mean? That one was a little pitchy, dog, I gotta say, but we got there. It's and a part it, of, that was a charm. It's, it, it, that's the charm. It, yeah, it's got charm. It, also, it was laden with information, because yeah, indeed... We are talking about the Dark Tower, the tower that you want to break, but you shouldn't break. Um, and this is, of course, <laughs> the Kings of King. Woo! Woo! I'm with Abe Epperson. Hey! You're and supposed to say... My, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll it. reciprocate. Yeah. And the guy who just introduced me is Michael Swaim. Man, when Lauren Lafkus, Paul F. Tompkins, and Scott Ackerman do it, it sounds very natural. Well, we um, could... It's because they could re-record it. You see mm -hmm. how none of this matters? Like, I could edit this right now. We could do a take two and perfect it if that's what we wanted. I think podcasting is about authenticity and organic riffs. I agree. So no. All right. <laughs> I agree. I will I will go to the mat for that. Cool. Then cool. Uh, let's talk about Dark Tower. I mm. forgot to get the year, Abe. We usually dispense that at the top. Do you have the year? It's uh, 2017. Yeah, sure. Why not? That seems yeah. about right. Actually, I thought it was a little older than that. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey and a young actor. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen him since. Tom I'm Taylor. Sh I'm sure he's Jake doing well. Chambers. Tom Taylor. Yeah. Thank you. It's Jake Chambers. The Dark Tower series, notable because... Arguably, it is King's most epic. I don't even think arguably. It's King's no, it's most epic in the sense down. of the epic, uh, the word epic, truly, like an epic Homeric mm -hmm. ode. Um, the most epic style thing King's ever written, even more so than It or it's The Stand. It's eight books, right? Yeah, it's longer, all told. There are mm -hmm. a lot of books in the series. And it's an entire series. It's almost his Game of Thrones or what have you. And they condensed it into... A sleek 90-minute package, and that always goes well. <laughs> yes, it does. It's In fact, here's the thing that will definitely be a part of what I talk about later. It's insane to me that it's almost like it tells on itself. It says, like, we don't really care about the fans or anything like that. We just want the property and we want King's name on it because it's not even trying to do a book. It's just taking all the books and making a sequel from the sh series. Like eight it's, books. It's not trying to consolidate them. It's not like uh, Game of Thrones in that like, well, from like Winds of Winter or whatever it is, you know, like we right. cover that from that from whatever season or whatever season. No, it's like a lesser level of detail as it's you would have to be. It's just a different tale. Yeah. It's like it's so you take enormous. the surface. It's like, uh, hey- I want to do uh, crime and punishment. And you're like, okay, well, I know about Russia. 
You got those big bulbous buildings. You got the Russian dance. Okay, I'll do a movie where the guy does the Russian dance on one of those big bulbous buildings. snow's there. You're like, I'm there. Like, it's just a flavor of the story. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And it has details. And that's another... I know this isn't a director piece theater, but we like to do on the deep dive. I think that that's going to be the big thing I want to talk about is like, they're just cashing in on the, like the mystique, the... The um, I don't know what the word is, but like just the the idea of King and like all the details he has in his story here. And he's just trying. They're just trying to evoke a like, remember that? Remember that? King did that. That was good. Yeah. And then they just like spit it out as a movie. It's insane. I've never seen a movie like this is, I guess, also what I'm saying. I actually thought there was a little more connective tissue there than I than you seem to perceive so I think that'll make for an interesting conversation but I do see what you're talking about the glaring example for me is uh they keep cutting to graffiti that says all hail the crimson king Mm. the crimson king is the big bad in the dark tower series who only appears in the final book and in the movie there's no content you just keep seeing that like it means something Mm, it's just mm. a shot that they it's uh it's like an easter egg if someone threw an easter egg at your face (laughs) yes yes i think we're simpatico on this maybe yeah well that's an Uh, example of what you're talking about but there's other stuff that i actually got something out of but before we get there we got to recap this song bitch yeah how do you want to do this should we do a short one should we do a long one how you think we should do it under the dome Our best guess puts the dome at 20,000 feet, sir. Did he just call it a dome? You think we might be stuck in here? Oh, he got a He got me. He got me sleeping. Um, well, uh, I think it should be fairly simple and short as the movie is, because I think as we just alluded to, so Mm. uh, we're definitely simpatico on the idea that (laughs) <laughs> the movie that this the is word of the day. if yeah. this was not related to King or his works is yeah. uh, very traditional right act one act two act three exactly real, real standard and <laughs> clean go, yeah. baby yeah so yeah who who should take it I'll take it I mean right. I can take it go for um, it I mean like Here's the shortest one. Here's a real short one is that there is a teenager who's having bad dreams corresponding to earthquakes. And what it is, is that uh, Jake Chambers has the shine. He's a boy in New York, our world, our universe dimension. Keystone Earth is the name of our world. And so we're once again dipping in the shine, which again is like psychic powers. uh, And that's like the king. There's like a King uh, canon that goes along with this. And this is probably, honestly, the like we talk about The Shining, obviously, because it's got shine in the title. We talk about it and we talk about shining it. There's a lot of movies, Dr. Sleep, obviously, being like, you know, like a shining like sequel. But here we see that like the the eight books, this is probably the this is probably the main shine conversation in in King's world i know this is not a synopsis i'm just saying get 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 on with the shine so this Jake chambers kid uh dreams about this evil man in black who's i guess a uh a sorcerer i think that's right and he he commands like monsters and uses 
like the minds of children, the shine, um, to attack the dark tower, which is at the center of the universe uh, or the multiverse. Sorry. And so he's having these visions and his shine is apparently off the chart, you know, typical special boy. And so he kind of gets thrown into unwittingly into this crazy multi uh, dimensional or multiverse kind of um, uh, epic where he meets up with Roland Deshane, I believe, who's mm-hmm. known as the gunslinger. He's like the last gunslinger. And uh, his whole deal is that he's like kind of uh, he represents the light and uh, the man in black or uh, what's his name? Walter. Uh, played by uh, Matthew McConaughey is like the is uh, represents the black, uh, the, the, the dark. And um, they're basically in an eternal battle is what I'm gathering. Maybe it might not be eternal, but he's there. It is. He kind of jumps line into of the media's rest. The last line of the it's Finnegan's wake. The last yeah. line of the book series is the first the line same. of the book series. So they fight eternally. Yeah. Is that Finnegan's wake? Well, whatever. Um but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're in like an eternal battle. Jake basically uh, uh, teams up with them and they find out where like the man in black has his headquarters. They basically uh, have this heist idea, uh, which is once they find his location, they're going to use the portals that uh, the that Walter uses to find children to attack the tower. Uh, they re- they do it in reverse so that they get to uh, they get to him. There's a big battle that happens, and Walter, the gunslinger, eventually uh, persists by Jake Chambers in this all is lost point right when the Man in Black is about to do his finishing kind of uh, strike. Uh, Jake talks to him while he's in the chair attacking the uh, the the tower that represents, I guess, the protection of the universe. Um, and he tells him, you go do that, <laughs> do the thing, be stronger. Uh, and he does. So the gunslinger uh, shoots him real good. And bada bing, bada boom, that's a dark tower. By the way, the gunslinger's arc is so fucking stupid because it's that he's obsessed with vengeance. So he wants to kill the man in black. And yeah. then he redeems himself by realizing that he has to save the universe. So he kills the man in black. You can't have the... MO of the resolution be the, you know what I mean? It's not true yeah. growth because killing the man in black accomplishes both. What are you even conflicted about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a, it's a real stinker. Um, I like it. Which is crazy. Yeah. You liked it. Good. I'm going to talk about what I liked about it a lot more in a later section, but uh, that might be it for under the dome. I think so, which brings us to Skeleton Crew. Something in the mist! Shut the doors! Shut the doors! Yeah, this is where we talk about the creative team and uh, any behind-the-scenes trivia that we seem we think is apt in terms of the development of this movie. And here we go, folks. Buckle the fuck in. This is where we talk about if we choose to the books themselves or the source material itself. Now this podcast is about the films and the act of adaptation, but we're more experts in film. So it's about film technique, not book writing Mm -hmm. technique. That said, I am a huge nerd for the uh, The series, The the series. The first one, the gunslinger is one of the most impactful books I read as a young person. Um, This is nothing like it, but 
I think it's time to talk about a little bit the gist of the series, which is essentially, and the way you laid it out and Under the Dome makes it pretty clear, it's a pivot. Stephen King writes these stories that seem to be spooky stories, one-off spooky stories, and they wrap up. And he's real mm-hmm. good at that, and he's been real good at that for a long time. Um, but there's a quote in one of his books. He said, I felt like the time had come to get behind the wheel of a God almighty steam shovel and really dig out something important. And right. uh, in his mind, this is the series that is his swing at a full on epic in the tr- explicitly Lord in of the, the Rings tradition yeah. of things like Lord of the Rings and the Odyssey. Like he wanted to write something of literary significance and something that culminates all of his work. So there's all these pivots uh, like the most clear one is The Shining that you thought was just this thing. It's pivoted from, you know, an element in The Shining of a one-off spooky story to, no, 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 it's it's Star Wars. It's my The Force. The mm-hmm. Shining, has, there's all these stories about The Shining. The Shining does all kinds of shit. Welcome to the Stephen Kingiverse. So the uh, the Dark Tower series is really the heart, the beating heart of the Stephen Kingiverse, meaning if you have any interest in connecting the different King works, they all connect at the Dark Tower, which itself is a story about a tower that stands at the center of all universes. So yes, it's a story about storytelling. He wrote an epic about how epic writing his epic is going to be, if that makes sense. By the end, he himself appears as a character in it. It's got shades of Vonnegut. It's really an interesting mass of like postmodern nonsense in every genre. It's like gothic, you horror, say- western, sci-fi, fantasy. It's pretty off the chain. And it ties uh, yeah. all this shit together, I mean, including books he co-wrote with other people, like The Talisman takes place in mid, what's it called? It's not Middle Earth. What's uh, Midworld? Uh, Midworld, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah anyway, right. so you were going to say? I was just going to ask, uh, because uh, you rarely get so invigorated when we're talking about King this way. I know you've read like a large amount of the books and just so people are just like dipping in. I haven't read like any King uh, mm. with the exception of I think it, but I can't even remember it. Um, so it's the kind of thing where like I'm hitting it from the perspective of like kind of a very much person who's reading like the King for dummies uh, in terms of the books. Um, would you say this is like you, you pulled out the first book in particular. Uh, would you say that is your favorite King uh, fiction like story? The gunslinger is probably mm-hmm. my favorite Stephen King book period. Yeah. Because okay. cool. I do think it has a consistency of tone and a conciseness. It really, okay, an epic is hard to write. And so it's easy for me, and I do, have gripes about how long-winded each book gets longer and how the tonal consistency falls apart. Mm -hmm. And you get the feeling of story threads sprawling out of control. And then he has to make some compromises to wrap it up and figure out how do I end this motherfucker? You know, shit like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's something special about the gunslinger lays out his idea for the series and Mm. the seed and the inception of it that, uh, yeah, the gunslinger specifically, I mean, sometimes the whole saga is called the gunslinger, but I just mean the first volume is Is so cool and it is tonally so different than what we get here. Like for example, 
in the gunslinger, the first action set piece is he goes into a town and, uh, everyone is like looking at him weird. And then eventually he comes out of the, uh, saloon and sees that they've like crucified and started to skin a guy. And they're all crazy zombies now because basically Walter cast a spell over the town to like, you know, slow him down. So he shoots every single person in the town, man, woman, and child dead until the town is just, the town square is just piled with bodies. And then he realizes he has to go like take out the demon that's controlling the area. So he goes into his house and there's this weird, bulbous, tumorous lady. And he goes up her skirt and sticks the gun up her vagina and shoots her from the inside. Like it's wildly dark, gritty shit. And they sanitize that to just Idris Elba shoots people and they go, Oh, and fall over. And so look at how fast he reloads. He takes crazy swings. Like in the first book, all he's establishes that he's a gunslinger and he gets one of his hands bitten off in the first book. And you're like, there's going to be eight more books. How's this going to work? It's very exhilarating. It's a great book. I still like the movie. And I was terrified because of the idea of cramming this series into 90 minutes. And I guess you just see it his own thing. I was relieved that it was just a movie unrelated almost Mm. to the dark tower. Yeah. Interessant. Um, Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, as, as far as the, this is another thing. This was just a textbook. Everyone come to work, knocked out a movie. It's a movie experience. It's charmless. Like, behind it's charmless the scenes, is the word you're thinking of. I have nothing interesting to say about the making of or the cast or crew. Cause it was like the only interesting facts I could find through research were like, they mm. considered Christian Bale before Idris Elba. Then Idris Elba did it. Christian Bale was busy with something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's about Don't, it. Like nothing crazy happened. S- <laughs> nothing crazy happened. Although they did spend $6 million on reshoots because yeah. they felt the Idris Elba character was not figured out. So that's, this mm-hmm. is the product of that, which is a crazy amount to spend on a reshoot. And especially if a reshoot is about character, you know, you got like some problems in test screenings. Uh, the only facts the only things i want to point out uh just because it supports my later like the things that i took away my like viewing of this movie the things i wanted to talk about found interesting just a little bit of it's not much the background of some of the ways in which the way in which it, it came together i think are interesting and relevant which is that first thing we should know dark tower had been trying to be made for about 10 years uh, it w- went from legendary to Warner Brothers to Sony. That never goes well when people are just passing it because they think it's unmakeable, uh, which is possible. It's happened to a lot of things. Dune is one. Uh, anyway. Man, when uh, it's finally a prestige HBO series someday mm-hmm. in our lifetimes, I bet it will mm-hmm. knock it out of the park. It'll be mm-hmm. phenomenal. Yeah. Uh uh, the the director of this movie, I believe it's pronounced Nicola Arcel, uh, but I'm not exactly sure about that. I haven't, I don't, there's not a lot known about him relative to like his process, but we do know that he's a, he made like a Danish film called A Royal Affair of five years before. He's mainly a writer. He wrote the adaptation of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo uh, for, yeah. So he is like a really well-credited author, uh, but not much in terms of his um, director pantheon. 
Okay. Uh, the other, the last bit I would like to mention is that you may have recognized a name, or you may just generally recognize a name, Akiva Goldsman. You know that name, right? Who is probably the one of, if not the most, he's definitely top like five, I would say, prolific screenwriters, writers in Hollywood today. Oh. His name's on so many things. No, Just I go to IMDb. That. Like I could list them right now rotely. It wouldn't matter. If you ever have some time, go to IMDb and check this guy. He wrote everything mm -hmm. uh, recently. And it's because he's like known as a kind of a script doctor. And he comes in and he is going to essentially make realize that they don't have a movie yet. And then he and uh, another guy are basically going to write something that looks ex very familiar to American audiences, which is what I think the dark tower is. Uh, and that's it's crazy. So textbook dude. It's super transparent. Uh, the way in which people want to make this movie, they love, Oh my God. They the pick work. a, they pick a resonant line, which mm -hmm. is the gunslinger's creed in a, it's said word so for bizarre. word identically once each act and that moment, is like the first time it sets the pattern, the second time mm -hmm. it's uh, perverted, and the third time it's redemptive. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, man, it's just one, two, three. This was a movie. It's yep. nuts. Yeah. Uh, that's the only back ends out. So these are just like the day. I'll bring them up every now and then, and you'll know who I'm talking about, basically. But that's mm -hmm. it for me. I think, like you, uh, most of the interesting aspect of this episode is going to come from our next segment. Yeah. True. I forget the name of that segment. I also forget it. Bill, if you'll come with me, you'll float too. You'll float too. You'll oh, that right. wasn't even a setup. I really did, but it's it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I dunked on that one. This is where we talk about scene work, themes, symbolism. You know, what we want to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, as I said, it's striking to me that we're talking about a movie that condenses things down to their like most basic possible form. And, uh, the, like this one line, I do not shoot with my hand. I, he who shoots with his hand has forgotten the face of his father. I shoot with my heart or I kill with my heart. Um, is the resonant line and only plot beat like the movies. This, what's funny is the, the book series starts and ends with the line, the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. And that's basically also the log line of this movie. <laughs> it's like they boiled yeah. the entire <laughs> events of this epic into, oh, muse sing to me of fire. Like the, just mm. the, just like the window dressing opening. And yet that said, here comes the stuff uh, that had to come up eventually that I liked about the movie. I still get a thrill from the promised larger world. An example, the obvious example is The Shine, which we've already talked about. Right. But uh, a lesser example the are the subtle implications that the world, that Midworld has moved on, meaning it's actually a post-apocalyptic fantasy, meaning that Midworld is was at one time probably similar to our world. In fact, it's probably by our standard far, far in the future in Midworld because we see the ruins of complex machinery. 
We see yes. the fact that they have portals to other dimensions. And Magic yet, is real. Even Walter himself doesn't know how the portals work. He just seems to have found them and taken control of them. They, he didn't make them. Um, and it, this is, of course, explicit in the novels, but mm. it's this really cool nesting of like all the dimensions are the same but different, and it's the future and the past. And uh, I thought the movie, for all of its stripping away of everything that gave the book series character, they it's like King laid a really good foundation. Even the barest outline of what he of the gist of what he's talking about is still pretty interesting. Like, I don't know, a gunslinger who can shoot so well that they win by shooting a bullet that knocks the other bullet over. I'm like, yeah, that's that would make 13-year-old me think this guy's so fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm into it. I thought Idris Elba had almost nothing to do, but he did it fine. Matthew McConaughey actually brought some delight to the part. I, I really, thought he was actually very good. I yeah. Do, yeah. I thought I really, he was he could yeah. be an Emperor Palpatine or whatever in a real epic right. and it would be really fun. I loved when he made a little girl hate her mother forever for no reason. That's interesting because I bring that up later. I'll bring that up later. Well, it's I a think. stupid I mean, I love how glaringly bad it was. It was not right, a good exactly. moment. Uh, did you know that Tom Hardy was considered? I know this is <laughs> skeleton yes. crew, but while we're talking about, because I think you're right, I think McConaughey was very good, mm -hmm. and like both of them are very good. But Tom Hardy was considered, and the absolute difference between like the stoicism of McConaughey versus the absolute unhingedness of Tom Hardy, both play, and I know that that probably doesn't scan as much for you. Maybe because you're you had a particular vision of it when you read the books, but I do think both for me as just a viewer, I'm like what I love about the character is both feel right, you know, sure. like there's this aspect that it's just like because he is kind of a force of nature. Um, Walter. Yeah. Walter. Well, and compare Walter to Rose the Hat from Doctor Sleep, the other one yes. that is like yeah. a king of a tale from the Kingiverse. Um the same stuff that was effective about Walter was shit Rose the Hat had already done. You know, like mm -hmm. when he walks in and just says, stop breathing. That's cool. That's a really cool idea. That was King's idea. He used it in multiple right. novels, but it's dope. Um, here's my question. Rose the Hat has The Shining. And I'm sure this is explored in the depths of the books, but at this time in life, I can't recall the information. And I know you all know the answer, but someone tell me, what does Walter have if not The Shining? Because we know he doesn't have The Shining because he needs kids who have The Shining to power his Shining cannon. But he does magic that's very similar to The Shining. Like, what is he using if not The Shining? Is there a I magic that's the different shining... than The Shining? I mean, he's psionic, but he's also... He also is like arcane, uh, like telekinetic. You know. Oh, and he can summon fireballs. That's yeah, nothing exactly. we've ever so seen. So it seems like deal. he can add. It's not like yeah, Rose the Hat can just well, summon wind and fire. But in the Kingiverse is Firestarter, right? Isn't that a king? Yeah, the pyrokinetic girl. I so, I guess my That's point is I'm saying the Shining could be a bunch of different things. But, and again, I'm sure on page 3000 of the book series, mm. this actually is explained somehow. But regardless, yeah. in the movie, it is not really explained. And 
they movie magic a lot of plot holes. For example, one of the whole points is he has this secret base that's full of kids to the point where they have a school there. Mm-hmm. So there's like infrastructure. The opening of the movie is this weird lost-esque like Dharma initiative camp where they're like, oh, right. now it's time where to go get like tortured. Creating shine children, basically. And this right? it's the same it's problem as the Death Star problem in Star Wars. At the end, they blow up the entire island and the heroes are like, yeah. And I'm like, what it's happened like, to all oh, those there's, kids? There's, there's that little school. Yeah. yeah what happened to that cute, quaint little school? school. children. Yeah. like, yeah, fuck those school children. They were in on it. No, they weren't. No, they, they were all kidnapped. They literally lived and died on that island. Yeah. <laughs> and there's been, through time, lot, yeah, time is weird. I will tell you through a, um, the perspective of a, like someone who was going into it blind, so to speak, with the books. Uh, my assumption is that that his wizardry is somehow sourced in or involved in the differences between Midworld and Keystone Earth. So, like, uh, there are things that Keystone Earth has that that world doesn't, but that world is magical. Um, so there's and Shine is kind of a shared like Venn diagram in between space, right? Mm-hmm. So I just assume that that world has different rules of time, let's say. The the universe is different, obeys slightly different, uh, but not obviously completely different. Otherwise, it would be visibly indiscern... Like, we couldn't tell what it would... Uh, it would be inscrutable to us, I guess, is the better word. Uh, but, like, yeah, it's he's got a... Ma- it's a magic world. Um, so because of that, just like Gunslinger's way too good at shooting bullets i don't think that that is because he's just really good he's like idris elba has the shine no i don't think he has the shine either but i also think that he is magic because i think that what he's capable of is obviously supernatural um, yeah supernatural so uh, i think that that's just a affect of mid world that's my opinion i have as it is in the book and i do love presentationally from the film i think that that's there's a reason why we think that or most people who didn't read the book maybe or didn't have as many uh, valid questions as you did. I think that the the reason they felt that is because it was all kind of jumbled into there's this other world out there, right? Right. Like what's a house demon? You know, they don't really right. get into What is it. that? Yeah, exactly. But there is it's an amalgamation of technology and magic in the King of Earth in, as in the books. But they uh they do the best job you can in a slim 90 minutes like everything has one callback line that i guess waves explains it like the house demon they go you even killed a house demon and he goes wow well you know he has really good shining and you're like okay so i guess you can kill a house demon with shining and right. the house that's the wood shit that swallowed him was a house demon and it's some kind of protection mm-hmm. on the doorway let's not get into it cuz my other question is they don't seem hidden or anything. The locations that have the portals. How have unhoused people not wandered in and just spammed codes into the door and ended up in all kinds of crazy dimensions? Or like, Walter my... will go into our timeline and murder a bunch of people in public. There's no records of that shit. That doesn't. I cause just a assumed ruckus. he was such a. He was just like, like in um, like I just assume that he's the equivalent to like take from like X-Men or Marvel. He's like the equivalent of Apocalypse where he's just like such a powerful being that he essentially has absolute agency over his universe. That's just where his power has at- like what he's attained. So I just assume that everyone in the world is terrified of him. 
because of the stories or meeting him or whatnot, just absolute scourge she brought upon all parts of the earths. And uh, to me, that's why everyone just knows not to fuck with his shit at this point because it's so there's like no people. But it's I was saying demons. when it comes to Keystone Earth, he, I I can't find it in my notes, but there's definitely a point where he does some murders where you're like that would be noticed and affect our world like that would be in the news you know what i mean i mean it could have been i i just don't think that sure. like at that point the the story is just between gunslinger and jake and the man walter. in black walter mm -hmm. both doing this like they're simultaneous hijinks so like it i just think that yeah there could have been people who were like i mean at one point the they meet uh jake comes back home and meets that kid that's his friend that we know nothing about who's like, oh, yeah, your parents went up there and they haven't left for like a few days. That's true. Yeah. So like people are noticing it's just not enough time. It just I don't know. It just works out for me. If you are trying to write a very banal or like a very proper screenplay, you could watch this and learn from it for sure. Man, the wrap. Yeah, up, you're right. The wrap right up about is that. so uh, quick and painless. They eat a hot dog together. Idris Elba makes one joke that's a humorous highlighting of the fact that he's not from here. He has different, you know, mid-world mm. keys people from right. Keystone Earth be like this. And then um, you're, he's you're like, right about it. <laughs> hey, you want to team up with me and ride off into the sunset and be cowboy people forever? And he's like, yeah, man. And they don't get into your world is post-apocalyptic. I don't know mm. what your lifestyle's like. You know, it's uh, I'd be abdicating ever having uh any life on keystone earth again like anyway they're yeah, just they're uh, just like that's the end of the movie of course you're absolutely right about that because it's like you should it, yeah for screenwriters it's so educational because it's so bare bones that it's like all right let's take this in context if you write that thing you should learn every scene and why it's there and then uh go out and not do that is what my personal belief is or do that and make money because this is the kind of movie that made its money back and some double its money it's not it, it costs like 60 million and it made i think double that and it's the kind of thing where it is hated almost completely by critics uh mm. some people enjoyed it but like critics didn't were doing what i am doing which is like pointing out its obvious flaws and charmlessness and distaste for that type of movie like a dracula untold or something like that that you're just like i some of you are like i haven't even thought about dracula untold for years abraham and that's lincoln probably vampire why. hunter yeah Shit. all that stuff yeah but the even, one where aaron that's eckhart like, was frankenstein i frankenstein is a great example all these movies the reason that they're created is because they work off this system so if you want to make money use this system and don't change it because studios will be like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. That's a movie. And it's like, okay, it is a movie, but I'm also the type of person who doesn't really want to do that. I guess. But Abe, so, after the credits, you could hear Walter's creepy whistle implying he might that's be back. True. What does that mean? It's thrilling. <laughs> You're thrilled. Yeah. But like, didn't we see him die? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I had a craftsmanship yeah. thing I wanted to point out. Sure, sure. Uh, and Bay does this too, but I think it's also interesting how everything is apportioned out 
at the same rate with the same emotional weight. And like the edits are monotonously, there's an edit on average every three seconds, period, or like 2.5 seconds, period. There's no times where it's edited more quickly. There's no times where it's edited more. And I'm exaggerating to some degree, but it's notable. And there's only two ways of shooting a very standard shot that is um, that is completely transparent and just feels like, you know, they set up a nice camera pointed at the actors and close up handheld tension camera. And mm-hmm. there's no rhyme or reason to which is which. So, for example, they'll have a scene where they're just doing a lore dump and it'll suddenly cut to the close up handheld tense feeling just for the sake yeah. of having an edit point. Yeah, and yeah, it will it will turn to handheld and it'll whip pan to whatever's happening. Whatever and you're like, new thing is gonna happen. But there wasn't an act. An actor didn't change beats there. Yeah, there was there's no drama lot. over there. The cherub of action is not mm-hmm. in play. There's uh, no thread. Yeah, it makes it so charmless. Like you keep saying. Yep, I think that's I one really- of the aspects <laughs> is it's super numbing. Uh, it's all about quote and then blank happens. As opposed to, quote, therefore blank happens. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, uh, yeah, charmless is the right answer. Uh, That has a residual effect on the movie as well, which is lack of depth, right? Because if you're doing the bare minimum of beats, like if you're playing, I imagine, because people in sports talk about this all the time uh, when it's about like personal success. But I imagine in chess, yes, the goal is to beat the other player, but there's a way in which you do it. If you play it like a robot, well, I guess maybe it's a bad example because maybe the robots just learn all the greatest hits. But I guess like if you just do the sequence in order, you are efficient. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you have style. Right. It doesn't mean that you have the thing that most people like out of movies, which is like this vision thing, this, you know, like uh, nebulous kind of concept that makes us go, oh, this feels like there's depth here. And uh, there is a depth to the world because I think that King has rightfully done these questions and left these details and said, like, okay, what is the gunslinger's thing? Questions like why, what's magic versus the shine? But there's like a sequence where in this movie, Jake runs out of his house to evade some skin wearers or whatever they call them, skin jobs. And it, it would be like the perfect time to show, I just wanted to show a parallel to like other types of movies, which are of the same ilk. And by ilk, I mean like what Hollywood wants to regurgitate from a child's journey film. So for example, in something like Spider-Man, we might get a scene like this where he has to run out of his house to evade some capturers. Right. Mm -hmm. And Peter Parker in that scene, especially if it was an act one would probably say hi to people or use little plant and payoffs within that action sequence to evade capture or, um, Oh, you know, better example is Aladdin during the street rat song. You know what I mean? Uses uh, his knowledge of the streets to get streets away. Streets yeah. and talks to the people and you get a diverse picture of the world, right? You get none of that in this movie. Instead, they do something like, oh, he then goes down the fire escape and then he jumps down and then he goes into an abandoned house and then suddenly there's a demon. So it's like... or Jake, And during the chase, the most work they do is like he does one thing that shows he's resourceful mm-hmm. and plucky. Like he yeah. solves a geometry plot problem. Like Instead, he runs this way and then that way. He, he heartlessly jumps from building to building. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, so it's all serendipity is what it feels like to us as the audience. And that's real estate that is typically in a film that this type of film, and I keep saying like the kid's journey film, um, like Percy Jackson or Ready Player One or something like that. Honestly, uh, if you age him up a few years, it's kind of the Matrix too, the first Matrix. Absolutely. It's Hero's Journey. That's the kid's journey. Yeah. It's just a little done slightly with different flavors or scenes. But ultimately, each scene serves the same purpose. He needs to now feel the cost of blank. He now needs to feel uh, a reason for wanting something more or et cetera, et cetera. This scene is there to show that he sees something different in the world or whatnot. All these Dan Harmon little... told us to put this scene next. <laughs> right, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Uh, this is very Dan Harmon, uh, what is it, the eight? Story circle. Story yeah. circle or whatever. Um, yeah, so to me, that's where its charm comes from and they avoid it. And that's why we. a lot of people talk about, in my opinion, when a lot of people talk about this movie, they say, that movie sucks. That, that is a sucky movie. <laughs> but I don't think it's just doing the rote kind of rendition yeah. of the thing that has been proven to Hollywood to work time and time again. And it's no different for here in this case. People think this movie didn't they think people think this movie failed. And no, I it made money. It made money and all of that. They're still talking about I don't know how uh, COVID changed it, but they were talking about up to 2019. Uh doing it a getting sequel. the sequel together yeah and idris elba and matthew mcconaughey both voiced like positivity for doing that again because they're gonna make a shit ton of money and it looked fun it would be fun to do to be in yeah. as an actor it's just a world to sit in in a way it's funny because a lot of people who talk <coughs> about star wars uh it's what you kind of want out of a star wars Is it's a world. world too big but the world rules so let's just make like little things right. random movies but uh Anyway, that's just my lack of lack of depth oh, is another probably the number one thing. Connection I didn't even get until this viewing that I think is kind of neat is the thing that the dark tower keeps from happening is tears in the layer that protects our universe from whatever's outside, which are like, like this unthinkable ozone monsters. layer for monsters, yeah. And uh I realized that's the mist. The mist was the accidentally the scientific experiment made one of these tears. Like you can through reading the gunslinger books, right. uh, the dark tower series, That's great. you can start to recontextualize almost everything Stephen King's ever written as it happens in the service of the dark tower series, mm -hmm. which is kind of fun. It's a, it doesn't add that much, but it's a fun game. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, the, in, in this movie they have, he draws a little, you know, like, a circle with wedges in it with the dark tower in it. And mm -hmm. then he asks like, what's outside of the universe. And, um, Idris Elba places a spider on the edge of it. And then spider creeps towards the center. And so the spider in that analogy would essentially be the fog or like you said, the mist or Pennywise um, who is a giant Pennywise. spider. Yeah. Um, and there's, I forget which one. It might be a Bachman book. It's either, I don't think it's The Regulators. I think it's Desperation. But anyway, there's a whole, you know what I mean. It, the, mm -hmm. This movie starts with a logo for a fake company that's a turtle. And that's because there's this whole thing about a cosmic turtle. <laughs> and it's very, it gets super like Hellraiser-y, very lore heavy, very cosmic. Um, but you got to read the books for all that. The movie's not going to give you any of that. 
Right. But it's I cool. Like- it's King's like big swing at a cosmic weird tale. It's his Marvel universe, essentially, or yeah, Star Wars universe. Which yeah. we kind of stumbled on with uh, Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep really opened like my that. eyes He's to it. He's trying to do that. Yeah. I think that's why I still kind of like this movie. I wouldn't have liked it if we watched it in the other order. But Dr. Sleep made me remember, oh yeah, it's like a Star Wars universe unto itself. Mm-hmm. And so watching this, I was like, I'm just glad there's another entry in that. I like, fuck the... What was the one they were trying to get off the ground with all the classic movie monsters? Fuck the dark universe or whatever. Let's let's actually do the Kingiverse officially, like with the conscientiousness that Marvel has shown. Like let's yeah. get a let's get that kind of homogenous thing going. I would love yeah. that. <laughs> let's get a shine based, you know, like yeah, a shining Thrones. based economy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, apparently, until we know the answer, uh, magic or it's all it's all shine, baby. It's shine all the well, way Marvel down. Well, Marvel figured knows? it out. They have yeah, kind uh, of superpowers are different than magic are different than mutations. They're not super compatible though. From well, you know what I mean. Doctor Strange's I'm powers sure are different than yeah. Colossus's powers, right? Uh, yeah, I mean that's a different podcast, which I do don't, not want. Don't want to make or listen <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. don't. <laughs> but don't call yeah, me. absolutely agreed. Uh, yeah, I love. I think you have a very healthy outlook about this. Uh, I like oh. it. Oh, and the score is a real missed opportunity too. I wanted to mention the score. Pretty empty. Sense speaking empty of Marvel, and it, it sounds like Stranger Things kind of modern techno when it should either obviously be a horror score or a western mm-hmm. score. Like, come on, just pick your, one of your genres and write Man. it. And yeah, well, that's just once again familiarity. It's yeah. about. You know, like it's think about uh, how many times you may have gone like, oh, this battle sequence, the music sounds like Game of Thrones or something like that. It's probably because it was made after Game of Thrones and Game of Thrones is such a big deal. Uh, You know, so that's obvious. I think people mostly understand that. Uh, You mentioned the dark universe. I did want to talk about uh, what makes we kind of touched on it. What makes the man in black? uh McConaughey and you know slash Walter uh what makes him a good or bad villain uh in this because we always talk about especially in these movies your villain kind of makes your picture and we did mention on the top of this that McConaughey we both felt does a great job I think he's pretty terrifying I think the concept of Walter is pretty rad so like on paper this is already kicking ass right uh, yeah, the man in black the is, is kick-ass in the movie think, and the books. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I guess I thought maybe some people might be thinking like, well, then why did it fail for me? Why doesn't it not work? And I wanted to shine a light to uh, the lack, once again, coming from that same like kind of studio note based thinking that I was just talking about, you know, 10 minutes ago. Uh, I really think that it's because he suffers from key development. Like the the film just does not do specific development. And I wanted to talk about what I think that might be. And if you had any thoughts or additions in terms of what makes him a good villain or why you liked him here or you didn't like him, feel free to say them during this. But I just wanted to say that we know kind of set up that he wants the tower knocked down and we get from 
uh, Idris Elba that he wants to maybe become the king of some new universe. Like the mm. monsters will bow down to him because he, he, in his pride, he thinks he's so powerful. Yeah, we just get one line is. where he says he'll be king of a universe of monsters. So exactly. somehow, apparently, he'll be king. He'll, we just he, accept. He it. believes he will be king, or yeah. he will. Otherwise, uh, it wouldn't make sense. <laughs> and I wanted to bring up that moment then in context with uh, the moment that you said you kind of liked, because I, I think we like it for the same reason when he walks past the little girl and says hate, and then she now hates her mother. Mm. Right. I want to yeah. unpack that a little bit because that's a, the first time we see, okay, this is like one of his very, very effective powers. He does. He says to his uh, Jake's dad, uh, stop breathing. He says to uh, Catherine Winterick, who's his mother, burn, uh, quiet and then burn um so he has this you know suggestion kind of like um in it's jessica jones force. it's a jedi force powers it's a jedi force power jedi but it's mind even more trick. than that it's even more than that because it doesn't seem like it has a fail there's no will check you know mm. uh but other than anyway. against idris elba who inexplicably he just can't do it on and he goes i never understood why i can't do it on why you i can't do that which is fine <laughs> you know that's i mean it's not fine well but it's, you, you know, have to have that in rule this movie, or idris elba would lose immediately in this movie i'm like already going like i'm not expecting anything else right because i wanted to ask the question i guess uh, like explain or rather like charge you with like with the little girl saying hate and now he hates her mother. If I'm going in blind because I, I was try to explain that to me in a way that makes me engaged with his motives. Like what is that's what I mean? That's that? what made me laugh about it is that on the one hand, the idea of making someone hate someone that they used to love forever Just some random with a single world word. So he's is, got like is chilling is a chilling villain's power. So, for example, if it was woven into the story and it mattered, like if he said to Jake right. hate and it worked and he hated Idris Elba, what a major pickle for our characters to be in and what a chilling thought. But to have him do it at random on his way to another unrelated meeting to a little girl eating ice cream is mm -hmm. like cutting to your villain and they strangle a kitten and go, I'm so evil. <laughs> yeah, like it's exactly. just unconnected from anything. It's Connected. stupid. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Because like, that's you, like I, to me, how it works is that now it just makes him like a personification of chaos because yeah. he's he's not a person now. He's now just he's a, Chief Palpatine. <laughs> he's just an he's just a concept. He's just an asshole. And You're just you an asshole, Walter. And it what makes works. a villain good <laughs> is you emotionally recognizing villainy. Like think of Black Panther, right? You connect with Michael Jordan because he is so good at arguing for the fact he's right. He's right. He's like, what makes you better? You know, like, why, why are you king? Kings are bad, bad king. <laughs> you know, like they, you mm -hmm. go, okay, okay. I see what this guy's dropping. But then we find out, oh, he goes a little too far for it. So now it's okay to like, I guess, murder him. Um, it's crazy to me how emotionally we need to recognize the villainy. Uh, and you can't do that with a concept. If he's just right. a force of nature, he's not a character. Right. And I think that they, it cuts both ways. I think the gunslinger is victim of this too. When we're asked about his motives of why he's doing all this stuff, he references basically that he and Walter have a war going on. And he says, quote, all that matters to me is I find and kill Walter. That's it. He literally says it. He's telling, like the writers are telling on themselves here. <laughs> like I am a hero and the stakes are high. 
And, uh, you know, so my goal is thus. That's it. It's yep. us. Yeah. So there's no verisimilitude or context. There's nothing that rings true about why people. There's do no the cognitive right thing. distance for you to figure or interpolate yeah. anything out yourself, and your brain mm -hmm. gets a thrill from connecting dots. If the dots right. are already connected, it's like there's a coloring book, and you're like, "Oh, somebody already filled this in." Whatever, right. it's still cool to look at, but would have been cool to color it myself. <laughs> They're just distant gods fighting over our fate, basically, which yeah. is not interesting to us, other than like the way that some historians or you know like. Experts are into Greek mythology or something like that. Like, oh, it's cool. Why? Because the details of the world are cool. I like the idea of like someone explode being birthed out of the head of another God mm. or something like that. And it's just like, okay, that's a cool detail. And like very, but where's the juice, know, but what's, what's, what's connective there? What's the, why do people engage in it? Why do people, because someone actually wrote like a book and I mean, this is probably not the best example, but like in religions, for example, people did the work and connected the dots and said, that's why you feel that way. That's why you have guilt because of these sins. You know? mm -hmm. And it's like, well, then how does that play in the grand scheme of things? This guy will take your sins away. Well, that's a relief. You know, like it works. We are all humans are storytellers and we tell ourselves stories to connect us with things that are distant and foreign to us. Well, and they and do again. It's not that they don't do that work. They do the literally minimum you could possibly do, which is that's all boiled down to one line where the gunslinger says, like, I don't want kids around. I, I would put you mm. off this cliff if I if I and wouldn't care. Then cut to the end and he's like, yeah, I'll save the kid. So you're like, I guess that <laughs> a one? beautiful yeah. friendship blossomed, I guess. <laughs> yeah. you know? It's yeah. like just the two dots are all you get, but they're not dots. They're very <laughs> explicit signposts. <laughs> yeah, very much so. I, yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not saying that I think King did this work and I just am arguing, obviously, this is why the movie quote unquote failed in probably most of your minds. It did in my mind until I researched a little bit and found out, no, it actually did very well. And it seems like their goals, uh, consumerism worked. Uh, mm -hmm. so yeah. So in the I end, think darkness did one. Yeah. Darkness, darkness one. If you think that consumerism is darkness, which I do. <laughs> so here we, that's that anyway, that was, my, you know, edif edification on that. Also, the very idea, which is a staple of all epics, that, because uh, it seems to be, at least as far as our current comprehension of existence goes, it's the limits of our imagination. Because, you know, we're still constrained by that which exists, like the medium mm -hmm. of matter and space time mm -hmm. and shit. So it's like, when you try to do the most epic epic, they always end up with, there's the ultimate good and the ultimate bad. And at the end, the whole cycle begins again. That's the only thing an epic can ever really say. So an epic by its very nature is about the world building in detail. There's nothing else to be interested in. That's all there is to it. So I do think like Walter as a villain is never going to be as interesting as, uh, you know, say even the Joker as a villain, because the Joker is limited in scope. He only has the desire to create chaos in Gotham for his specific personal reasons. Whereas Walter is the epitome of evil. And 
if everything that's the epitome of evil is kind of samey, you know what I mean? Like Walter is Emperor yeah. Palpatine is Sauron. They're all kind of the same. What are you going to do? Yeah. It's mi- this movie and we all know f- it's bullshit. There is no epitome of evil and no epitome of good. It's a very basic. As they're vacuum concepts. Ritual yeah. story. Yeah. It's like we compare everything to saying like, okay, so I have a picture in my mind of that. You're kind of like that. So you're, you're evilish. Um, yeah. The movie that made this made this movie that made me like kept coming to when I was watching this was Guardians of the Galaxy, which is another kind of rote um like here got here here's this, here's this, here's this. Um and but it's, it's full of flair is, and style and specifics. Exactly. It's yeah. uh it, but just another parallel, it's uh Ronin, I believe is his name in that movie. The villain is very basic. Uh, and so when I think the reason I thought of that movie, when I was watching this is exactly what you kind of alluded to, which is that there's so much flavor and there's scenes that are like charming just by performative charm, uh, that you go, okay. And you realize that Marvel's always done that because it's built its empire on the back of, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, there is a scene in this movie that they are clearly trying to do something like that. They're just not as good at it. And it's crazy because Akiva Goldsman, when the more you know about this guy, uh, the more you realize how he is capable of it. And it's weird that they didn't. And so he probably was the one who's scripting the things of like that scene. There's like a scene where we get back to Keystone Earth and they're on the bus and he's like, you should probably not talk to people. And they're having a very like Dave Bautista Guardians of the Galaxy like um okay, so what's his name yeah i wrote they have a humorous dynamic like what, the yeah. textbook humorous dynamic that it because would be he's in a too movie literal like or yeah. whatever yeah and it's he's like the terminator the, it's terminator and it's John terminator yeah. it is terminator and it's um and it's like so they have a conversation about sugar uh and stuff like that i don't think that that's probably memorable like people watch this in 2017 and haven't picked it up again mm-hmm. i don't think that you remember this scene but it's the closest this movie gets to Charming. A scene that is memorable, right? You he, know? he gets he's super into Coca Cola and painkillers. Yeah. It's Versus mildly funny, yeah. <laughs> in Terminator, uh, if I mention Arnold smiling in the Terminator, you know <laughs> right. exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, all of you. And so it's just like when we talk about that, like cutting out space, which is crazy because it's 90 minutes long. It's like 95 minutes long. Getting that space to make more developed things. That's the difference between like you could have made this movie like a Spielberg success, you know, like something that really, really knocked the socks off of everybody. Well, yeah, and an epic, just any epic, to. any epic has the potential to be Star Wars. Right. This you one could, didn't make it <laughs> like it's such a rich world to play in. just play in it then. Why are you not playing? Why are you doing all this? And they do so much like when you go to the IMDb trivia space of this movie like it's crazy to me how much time and attention is spent obviously mtb is nonsense for trivia because they like bring up stupid shit all the time but when you look at that web page almost like there's so much of it is about like did you notice that like in shawshank redemption there's rita hayworth poster that's in the movie or the fact that like, uh, like the, uh, there's a you, shop or something the, like that. I left. They said as trivia, they're like uh, the gunslinger and Jake stumble across an old abandoned amusement park that has a sign saying Pennywise. This is a reference to it. You're like, yeah, yeah no shit. It's literally a giant sign that says 
Pennywise amusement park. It's not subtle. And I think it's because there's not much to talk about in this movie. But part of me goes, that's clearly the there's so much more of that. And they're like the creators put their heart and soul. The director put it put all of his time and effort into putting those Easter eggs, which are lifeless and only for a small percentage of the audience. And if they're not even if they're just in the background, if the movie's good, you go, look how awesome that was, though, too. They even got that. That's the only time you mention it when it's a bad film or a not connected. Like you don't connect to the film. You don't care. You don't even remember. Because it's not like it's putting a stamp on something that you like. It's putting a stamp on something you don't care about. And who cares at that point? Mm -hmm. So it's just weird that they go for that when they have these people involved who are clearly craftsmen of like some of the highest order in terms of creating a blockbuster success. And they just whiff so, so much. It's crazy to me. I don't think it's a whiff. I think it's a bunt. It's uh, the safe bet move. It's the analog of a bunt. <laughs> yeah, but a bunt is usually is for I don't know. I'm just he has yeah, strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I get what you're saying. It's like just like try not putting much effort into the swing. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's I not a whiff. That. Maximum overdrive is a whiff. That's, that's where you're like, I didn't know what you were hard. doing. Yeah, he swung hard at random. Yeah, shit. that's yeah. JC at that's KC at bat shit. No, mm-hmm. uh, you're right. You're right about that. But I mean, it's like, it's not like bunts are hedging your bets. This is hedging its bets. Mm-hmm. You know, this is like a single. So to keep the metaphor going for sure. no reason. Point is, I think it's interesting that you had a lot of good work being done on this film. Uh, And you make these failures like you don't develop any of your characters and you grasp for for the familiar at all in all cases, except when you grasp for the insanely mundane and specific rules of the King universe. King's good at the the Dark Tower shit, the eternal light, dark battle shit that all works fine. You know, this is classic hero stuff. But it's also interesting to me that. Uh, this is more of like collective blockbuster zeitgeist. They're not, this is not no, a No, there's no story. horror. They leached all the horror yeah. aspect out. There's no, no, it's not a story King would tell. He no. wouldn't, he, he never he tell. Wouldn't he wouldn't tell a rollicking tell. adventure about a special boy, even though right. Jake Chambers is a very real character. He's not Harry Potter at all. It's much more like Stand By Me, like a brutal, meandering, like confusing. Or Carrie is the closest. Emotional probably. roller coaster. It is right. not it's special boy learning to control his X Men powers. <laughs> no. Right. It's yeah. some. It's some horrible darkness in the human soul or the America's he pays soul. costs constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's just crazy to me. Uh, while we're talking about King a little bit, I did want to mention some King tropes while we're here. Uh, we get shapeshifters. We get a mentor relationship. We talk about the boy's journey, and that usually means trouble at home. Shitty like stepdad. His, his dad, in particular, is Lawn. a piece of shit. Yeah. Darkness reaching out to the protagonist, usually in dreams. And uh, my favorite king trope eating kids. Did you find any mm-hmm. other ones? No, mainly just the stepdad who explicitly a psychic character says, You hope. That the kid is crazy to so you can get rid of him. <laughs> that's pretty yeah, evil. Yeah, that's pretty evil, evil stepdad shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty classic. Uh yeah. What else you got? I'm out, For dude. It. I'm ready to rank. 
All right. I'm. I also really don't want the episode to be longer than the movie because the movie's only 89 minutes, and I don't think it deserves oh, an episode that's it longer won't. than that. I did want to point out one thing, which you'll probably recognize as an editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do this thing where they rely on frame pulses and flashes and transition to show like troubling visions, right? A lot of movies do this. And alone that tactic isn't like the worst, you know, it's, mm-hmm. but it's just like typically done to, it's like a lazy way to show like a tortured mind. Uh, and it, what's weird in this film is that it lacks focus and is overused. It's like, usually a director will use this when we want to say like, here's a fractured mind or a person who is disturbed. Mm-hmm. A POV is usually involved, but it's clear to me that there's a studio note that made this happen for tonal reasons, because there's no plot motivation for these flashes and they're, they span characters. Sometimes right. it's your Elba, Sometimes it's Jake. Sometimes it's the men in black, man in black. Uh, it's just crazy. It's just skinning things to look like other it's things. It's the equivalent of clumsy narration, but they figured out how to do it with yeah. pictures instead of narration. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't make And so therefore, because you're kind of trying to have your kick in 82, I don't really get the sense that like our protagonist is unreliable as a mind, which is kind of what you're trying to say by having your stepdad who's saying like, he, he's, he's a little brat and he, uh, he just, he's just making all this shit up and we shouldn't mm-hmm. treat it. It's bullshit. The therapy's bullshit. Well, if you want that, first off, you're giving that to the wrong character because we already don't like that guy who's saying that. Mm-hmm. Second, you're not making these like visions really specifically tied to Jake. So it's once again, why, why make the bad choice? Why make the bad choice? That's all. Editing, lazy editing. To hurt people. They wanted to hurt us. I guess. Uh, but that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done with it now. I said okay. my piece. I mean, I put a stopwatch to it, and but that would just highlight how condensed it is. Uh, I like how much shit happened by 20 minutes in. But even the more telling thing is the last 15 minutes. In the last 15 mm-hmm. minutes of this film, 15 slim minutes, we get our all is lost moment. The kid is in the chair. Our final fight. Uh, the final fight basically takes up the bulk of it and we get our denouement and ride into the sunset all in 15 minutes of a 90 minute movie. It's just nuts to me. Um, so it's this weird tray of tapas that <laughs> by which I mean, you know, individual portions that are all identical that you just cram down very rapidly and you're like, Oh, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm still hungry. That's weird. There's like nothing to it. So yep. yeah, I'm done yep. talking about it. All right. Because it's well, fluff. It's fucking fluff, my man. Take a stand. Okay. Time to make your stand. Which is to say that this is this segment, The Stand, where we uh, rank them, I guess, based off all this podcast. Uh, we have done 16, including this one. That's so right. So we have a list of 16. I don't think we need to do it yet, but I'm going to say that in the future, we should probably do a uh, strategy of like once we get to like 20 or so, where mm-hmm. we have like a strategy of, all right, six through 10, just list them off. You know? Okay. Uh, but yes, uh, for now. For you know, now, you, we're still doing simultaneous read, right? Awkward I think simultaneous so. yeah. read. I love it. And I'm going to say, I'm here's the thing. You, hmm. You... You really, I didn't expect it, and it's never happened really before. I think it happened once where you said you changed it. I'm going to bump it up a few. Nice. 
Because you did convince me. You did convince me of some shit. Uh, and I'm just trying to f find a place where I could defend it. You know what I mean? Like, I can be like, yeah, that's Well, right. it's emblematic of uh, our current time period, what mm. a generic movie is. And Marvel makes a lot of these. And Pixar makes right. a lot of these uh, right. more and more. So it's like, how good do I think the the basic ride that is popular right now is. Right. And I think it is telling where we put it. Cause I'll be honest, I hate that it's all samey, but it's not a bad formula. It's like a soda where you're like, mm -hmm. I am sick of this soda, but it's good soda. I Marvel's enjoy. When I have to critically rank it, I'm like, well, we have refined the formula to the point where a Marvel movie is good. I'm just sick of how it's the same as all the other ones. That's all. True. True. Yeah, so, I guess I you convinced alert, me to. I ranked it pretty high. Yeah, yeah, and all you did is you convinced me to like I came in here pretty mad at it, mm -hmm. and now I just think it's mediocre. So. It's just fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, how should we do it? Where do you want to start? Top or bottom? Bottom. All right, let's go, baby. Worst movie ever made <laughs> by an adaptation of by King. anyone ever. By Salem's Lot, 1979. That's so crazy. Maximum Overdrive, man. It's Maximum Overdrive is the worst. 15 Maximum Overdrive. Uh, 15 for me is Dreamcatcher. Oof. These are... Oof. 14 for me is Green Mile. Uh, 14 for me is 1979 Salem's Lot. So this really feels like we're in the sewers, you know? Really trudging. Yeah. So through this, <laughs> uh, then, then 13, I catch up with Dreamcatcher, which is much higher on the list mm. than I ever thought it would be. And so for 13, I introduce, cause I haven't put green mile down. So that's mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, but I, I introduced thinner. I think thinner was a kind of lame. It's pretty bad, but not mm -hmm. as bad as number 12, the TV series of it, which is a classic that I despise. Which I was higher on just because of the, uh, the I don't know. I think that they tapped the story really well. And I got more out of Pennywise. There's great performances and whatnot. But I am going to use 12 uh, to use this episode's Dark Tower. That's real low. I know. Okay, I can see how, yeah, you're rating things the way I'd expect you to. <laughs> that yes, makes sense. Because I'm um, consistent. Number 11 for me is Dead Zone. Just boring. Well, number 11 for me is uh, Dead Zone. So nice. we seem to agree with that. With the, Right next to our biggest change, we also have our uh, one solid agreement at the bottom mm -hmm. of the list. For me, number 10 is thinner because as batshit as it is, I find mm -hmm. it bizarrely entertaining to watch. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to give that one to 1990s It. Okay, we've got kind right. of it's a closed ecosystem good. going. Oh, we um, always have. Top 10, baby. Home stretch. Speaking of home stretches, number nine for me is The Running Man. Uh, to me, it's got to be Christine. Uh, <laughs> I, I just had so much. I really wanted to like it because it's Carpenter, but it's just really mm -hmm. mediocre. Well, for me, number eight's Christine, which I did mm -hmm. like. We're now into the area of movies that I thought were decent. Right. It's not the sewers uh, anymore. Yeah. That's where I put green mile pretty run of the mill, but I didn't have the gripes the as mile. much as you did. Like it didn't get in the way of the movie as much. I had 
personal problems with Green Mile that <laughs> shot we'll, it down to the bottom. And uh, I support you, buddy. And they still feel right. I'm not, I'm not changing it. This, this is 14. crazy. But uh, in top seven and you're still you're wondering you're still... when Dark Tower is going to hit, right? Yeah, and it's not yeah. yet because number seven's oh, apt pupil. Yes, it is. Uh, number seven for me is apt pupil. Nice. Uh, now I'd say we've crossed over from decent into movies that I think are pretty good. And yeah. the lowest end of pretty good is number six, Dark Tower. It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's I I like that. I like that. You 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 thought 12, it was of a caliber, but it's on the low end. Twelve to six. Yeah. Yeah, twelve to six. It's a big distance. We're gonna big have to stretch. talk about that more as episodes go on. Mm-hmm. I gave number six to The Running Man, uh, because I it's a beloved film for me. I grew up loving that film. You like cheese more than I do. I can't get over it's. There's like an mm-hmm. opera guy in a light bulb suit. It's just dumb. It's <laughs> anyway, funny. It's funny. <laughs> number five for me is The Mist. Number five for me is Mist. <laughs> yep. The Mist is better than Dark Tower. Solid. Yeah. That statement feels true. Yeah. Number four, another Miz, Misery. Uh, I'm going with Dr. Sleep. You put it up higher. I did. I get it. Number three, Stand By Me. So now we're in the realm of good, good movies. I mean, now, <laughs> yeah, top four. Where is our, this, they're, they're the same top four, basically. I'm going to go with Misery. To Dr. Sleep. Stand by me. And then number one, let's say it together, everybody. The Shining. Shining. What about Grandpa? All right, let's t- let's pick what we're gonna cover next time, man. I like doing that oh, as part yeah. of the show. That's um. Uh, I like loading Wikipedia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. List of Holocaust survivors. When did I search that? Bo Burnham specials. That's more me. List. I could listen of, to this all day. <laughs> list of Stephen. Come on, Stephen King adaptations. Yeah, you know I've typed it in before. Don't make me type at all, baby. <laughs> just hot link that mm, shit mm, mm, mm. i mean i still want to watch the uh one based on quitters inc no smoking but we can't seem to find a copy that's a part, of it what, what is that what's it's the an name Indian of that film well it's a, a part of a con- anthology right perhaps perhaps it is uh, i forget what it's called i'm gonna kick myself for that okay so what are we uh, what, are, what are we feeling what are we feeling do we want a newer one uh, do you want a good one, a bad you could one? Do something crazy like a good yeah, marriage go. based on one of his novellas that I've never even heard of that got a 32%. I've never heard of the movie or the story it's based on. Um, we could do the mm. It movies. We could do could Hearts do- in Atlantis, the romance one. These are all good. I like all of these. It's... I could see that, but I also want to hold up. We also haven't done Carrie. We haven't done the ones that we know will be the top ones. I want to take down The Shining, dude. Can we do something that'll take down The Shining a notch? Well, I know what. Well, th- now you're leading, putting the cart in front of the horse. Now everyone will know our opinion. I already know which one is better than The Shining. From a Buick but I think eight. it's the only one. But then that that's just going to tell. What are you doing? What are you doing? Secret window he's talking about. What about Julie Ganopathy based on the novel Misery? Ooh, a different take on Misery. What about The Night Flyer? 
Based on the short story of the same name. I don't know, man. I'm uh, giving yeah. you, I'm spitting gold. What do you want? I mean, you're just listing things off the Wikipedia. Silver <laughs> bullet. Gold. Uh, you haven't named Cujo? Children of the Corn. I could do Creep Show. If we do Creep Show, we should do Creep Show 1 and 2, I think. As one movie? No, not as one episode, but I just think we should do them immediately. Back to back. Yeah. yeah. I also think that about it, one and two, we shouldn't separate. Yes. Agreed. Because, yeah. I mean, I really want to do it, but I kind of want to save them for that reason because I know I like them. I can do it. I can do it. Oh, nice. Well, there's yeah. also, we haven't dipped into his TV shit much because I'm realizing like, I could do Nightmares and Dreamscapes or Desperation. These are ABC mm -hmm. shows and TNT shows. Right. I'm right, like, right. I would be interested in watching like a one season Stephen King show that got canceled and digging into it with you. Mm -hmm. Like, what was that? Like this obscure, crazy thing that it completely passed me by. Yeah, Mr. Mercedes. Um, let me find one that's one season so we can start off easy. Yeah. You want to watch the made for TV movie Desperation? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen King's Desperation, 2006 American horror television film. Directed by Mick Garris. Ron Perlman, Tom Skerritt. It's Tom Skerritt. Yeah, yeah, dude. All right. So next time right. we're doing the made-for-TV movie, Desperation. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then maybe, and then, uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll talk to you then. <laughs> This has been a Small Beans Endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you.